you. You're tuned in to the Teal Shirt Report episode number 48. Can you believe it? 48. That is right. 48. We got the coffee brewing. I must say, this is a pretty good brew. This is uh, some Maxwell House dark roast. Let me pull up the exact what we're mixing here. We're doing a mix of Maxwell House dark roast. And sometimes they put that on sale, you know, over at some of the local groceries, uh, grocery stores. I've, I've seen it buy one, get one before. It used to be four bucks a can. Now sometimes you can find it five bucks a can, two of the smaller cans. Buy one, get one. Sometimes they do that. In my case, I got that deal. So I've got plenty of Maxwell's coffee. I like to mix it with the, um, this time around with Duncan Turtle Love. It's another dark roast. Dark roast is what I brew. Coffee boy, if you can hand me that. He's also our executive producer, by the way. If you can hand me that cup. <sighs> Boy, that's a good cup of coffee. I'm going to talk, uh, gonna talk uh, Jaguars. I want to thank my executive producer. You know, he likes being mentioned first. And when you're mentioned first, you've got to bring the coffee. How about that? Alex Nunry is also a producer of the Teal Shirt Report podcast. We're going to talk about Donna Deegan, the new incoming mayor. She'll be sworn in July the 1st. Uh, we understand the huddles are over with. Lamping, Con, Con might have been at some of them, right? Shot Con, the owner of the Jaguars, talking about the new stadium being built in somewhere between 2025 at the latest 2027, somewhere in that one to two year time frame or so negotiations. Now that the huddles are over, there will be negotiations over the summer, over the weeks, perhaps over the many months between the city of Jacksonville and the Jacksonville Jaguars on the surface. It looks like the stadium, if the stadium is what we think it'll be the state of the art, uh, perhaps a retractable roof, etc. A lot of shade spots as it's been designed because of the hot weather. Might have a $2 billion stadium or more or less on your hands, which if Shad Khan pays for half of it, the city of Jacksonville pays for half of it, what are we looking at? You do the math, it's $1 billion for the city, $1 billion for Mr. Shad Khan who I met, I have met Shad Khan before, and I was at the stadium one time, and I met Shad, and he said, thank you for coming. I was over by the swimming pool when I met Shad. Nice guy. And he's done a lot for Jacksonville. He, he bought the NFL team from Wayne Weaver. You know, I keep thinking the stadium name should have perhaps Wayne Weaver's name on it somewhere. I, I think without Wayne Weaver, there w never would have been an NFL franchise in Jacksonville. That's just me thinking about the chase for the dream of getting an NFL franchise, which we did get um, back in 1993. Shocked the national media. The national media has never believed in Jacksonville or the Jaguars or most of the national media ever since. You know, you go back to when Jacksonville, city of Jacksonville, first got the franchise. It was a Cinderella story to get the team here. As you know, Charlotte got the first franchise. There was going to be two given out. Jacksonville beat out St. Louis. 
Uh, I think Baltimore was one of the cities up for it. Memphis. It was about four or five different cities. Memphis was going to call their team the Hound Dogs if they had got the NFL franchise when the Jaguars did. I think St. Louis was going to be the Stallions. Um, you know, Baltimore wanted a team. They later got the Baltimore Ravens as Cl- the Cleveland Browns. The old Cleveland Browns moved uh, to Baltimore. So a little history lesson here. So not only is there history, but there's the present, the presence and and the future in the new mayor, Donna Deegan, being sworn in on July the 1st here in Jacksonville as the new mayor. And, of course, uh, Donna Deegan, uh, mayor-elect Donna Deegan, planning to bring in, you know, some some guys with experience or someone with experience to negotiate, help negotiate the deal. You know, and obviously, Mayor-elect Donna Deegan has got to look out for the city's interest. Mark Lamping, Shad Khan, those guys looking out for the Jaguars' interest. And, and hopefully, everybody can come to terms. And this is not... This is going to be a win-win thing for everybody. Does the deal get done, the new stadium deal? I say yes. I don't see how it won't. Could could the negotiations turn ugly at times? Possibly. And this could go on for days, weeks, months. So we'll see what the future holds. I don't want to spend a lot of time talking about the, the dealings of the new stadium which I understand the stadium now is not going to be called TIA Bankfield now. It's not even going to be called Everbankfield. It's going to be called Everbank Stadium. That's what I, I heard the other day. You're listening to the Teal Shirt Report podcast from brought to you by Saucer Realty and Capital for your real estate needs. Go to our homepage at bigjreport.com. Scroll the homepage until you find the North Florida, the 24-7, 365 uh, day a year, 24-7 North Florida weather report. You'll find the link for Saucer Realty and Capital for your North Florida real estate needs. Talk to Larry Saucer. Talk to Larry Saucer before you talk to anybody else. He's very creative. He has vast experience in, in um, certainly property appraisal. I'll tell you that for a fact. He has Saucer valuations as part of Saucer Realty and Capital whether it's home, residential, business, or commercial real estate, Saucer Realty and Capital. Larry's a good friend of mine. I highly recommend him in your real estate deal. Saucer Realty and Capital, you'll find the link on our website at bigjreport.com. That's bigjreport.com. Also, lakeyoufallahits.com, great internet uh, radio where it's all good. Rock Saturdays, hits 2000s, Monday through Friday nights recognizable hits and as uh, as jc uh, our producer our uh, i mean he's 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 the main cog around here right and that coffee sure is good but jc is the executive producer and he knows a lot about lake hits.com great internet radio they have recognizable hits throughout the day we're talking monday morning through Friday, really Monday, Monday morning. I should say Monday through Friday morning till late in the afternoon. Then hits two thousands um, in the nighttime, in the evening hours. Lakeyoufallahits.com, great internet radio where it's all good. If you're looking to take a trip, 
Don't forget about Dee Dee McDermott, Elegant Time Travel, Dark Diamond Entertainment. I know Dee Dee's telling me he's still planning some, some more trips and stuff. So for any information about Dee Dee's events, activities, you even want to talk sports with Dee Dee McDermott, you are welcome to call him. He's got an email address too. And uh, he says he was disappointed about some things that have gone on. But hey, if you want the if you want the info from DD, he'll he'll be happy to talk to you uh, person to person. Uh, give DD McDermott a call. I tell you what, there's some nice um, posts in our Facebook group on the homepage. Alex Nunnery interviewed one of the Jacksonville Armada soccer players, and they've been playing well. Last Saturday, they just beat Pensacola FC two to nothing. Uh, they own a victory over the Florida Roots, 2-1 to one, a couple of weeks back. Alex interviewed uh, one of the players who got two goals against the Florida Roots, and Angus Taylor scored both of the goals in the Jacksonville Armada's 2-1 to one victory over the Florida Roots. The Florida Roots team from Panama City, Florida. The game was played at UNF Hodges Field uh, here in Jacksonville. We understand the Armada's on the road in New Orleans. They will play the New Orleans Jesters. And we'll be getting an update on that game for you, too, right here on the Teal Shirt Report Podcast Network. Man, we appreciate you guys tuning in. LakeyFallHits.com, great internet radio where it's all good. As I mentioned them a moment ago, if you want to plan a trip to the Hall of Fame, Canton, Ohio, there's more trips coming, more uh, plans coming from Dee Dee McDermott with Elegant Time Travel and uh, Dark Diamond Entertainment. Let me give you Dee Dee's phone number uh, for the trip. Let's see, Dee Dee's right here in Jacksonville, too, 904. Let me give you D.D. McDermott's phone number, 904-442-3810, 904-442-3810. Uh, to book a trip or to ask questions, that's Elegant Time Travel and Dark and Diamond Entertainment, or you can write to D.D. McDermott, Don McDermott, 32218 at yahoo.com. That's D-A-W-N-M-C-D-E-R-M-O-T-T, 32218 at yahoo.com. That's what I'm trying to say. Don McDermott, 32218 at yahoo.com. Also, uh, the XFLToday.net, the season just concluded. The Arlington Renegades won the XFL championship. You can check the stats. I think we've got all the scores from the season, which ended just a few weeks ago, at XFLToday.net, of course. Also, the Mad Max Mix. And it's my pleasure to go on Max's show. I usually go on Max's show, get interviewed by Max once or twice a month. We have a chance to appear on his show. Check out the Mad Max Mix. Mad Max Mix. MadMaxMix.Weebly.com. You'll find the links to Max's show on our website at BigJReport.com. In the Neighbors 1 section. No, no, I'm sorry. The Neighbors 2 section. And the outside the box section check out our website for the very latest of you know things going on the mad max mix where max plays music pop classics from years gone by classic rock music and your favorite request whether it's the atlanta rhythm section you know led zeppelin pink floyd atlanta rhythm section uh, steely dan alicia bridges Max pulls out a lot of these old songs you haven't heard in a long time as well. He's got listeners in 
board of Georgia, Alabama, a lot of listeners up in Tennessee. You might say, like ZZ Top used to say, Max, he's nationwide. So check him out. I think he's listened to internationally as well. But he's listened to in Michigan, Tennessee, Florida, Georgia, Alabama, and most, you know, most states, obviously, in between. The Mad Max mix can be heard Wednesday nights, 6 to 8 o'clock Central Time, 7 until 9 o'clock Eastern Time. The Mad Max mix, man, they are absolutely nationwide. So I was talking to one of our really uh, good contributors and also supporters of our podcast, uh, John Gaylor. And one subject that a lot of people want to touch on is the subject of pass rusher for the Jaguars. I've got my opinion. Almost every every Jaguars fan has an opinion on the pass rusher uh, situation. But my contention is you got a myriad of pass rushers on the roster now. You got Trayvon Walker, who should be a more effective pass rusher, even maybe more so Josh Allen, who's in a big what his fifth year with the Jaguars coming up. And then he goes free agency, whether he comes back with the Jags or goes somewhere else, he needs a big, big year of rushing the passer. I'm putting Trayvon Walker on one end, Josh Allen on the other end, and then I'm saying. Let's put those guys we've re-signed, Roy Robertson, Harris. You got the free agent, Volacon. I think that's his name, right? Volacon. It's hard for me to pronounce his name sometimes. Olacon is the uh, is a linebacker who's probably the leading tackler in the NFL. You got you got um, Volacon, the guy they got from the Jets a, a year a couple of years ago. So, and you've got you know you've got Roy Robertson, Harris up front. Um, you've got, uh, Devon Hamilton, Devon Hamilton and Roy Robertson Harris have been re-signed. They need to stuff the run in the middle. And then the pass rushers, Josh Allen, Trayvon Walker, who needs more of a defined role and he needs to push the pocket, challenge the guard, challenge the tackle and push the pocket and make some sacks. I put Trayvon on one end, Josh Allen on the other end, but you know, the defensive coordinator, he's probably going to come up with this. 3-4 hybrid. I think he plays a 3-4 mainly, right? If, I, if I'm wrong, let me know. Scott at BigJReport.com. That is the absolute email address. Scott at BigJReport.com. You folks uh, with Spotify, remember the email address. Scott at BigJReport.com. Thanks to Spotify. They've helped me out with some stuff here recently. I appreciate that. Remember the email address. Scott at BigJReport.com. For any questions, concerns, compliments, complaints, Scott at BigJReport.com. Or come to our Facebook group, BigJReport.com Facebook group. You can find us. I believe my phone number is even on the website, so you can call me, you know, any time you like as we talk about the Jaguars. Talking about the pass rushing situation, well, you know, it's interesting. Linebackers can be pass rushers. Defensive linemen can be pass rushers. The ends, the linebackers, etc. cetera. Um, like I say, I was talking with supporter uh, John Gaylor this morning, actually. John Gaylor just had his birthday. Happy belated birthday to John Gaylor, big contributor um, to our Teal Shirt Report podcast and our uh, website bigjreport.com and our Facebook group, the bigjreport.com Facebook group. 
So, uh, again, happy belated birthday to John Gaylor. He celebrated his birthday, I believe, on officially it was, uh, I believe it was officially June 27th. John says, thanks, God. I appreciate, I appreciate all the mentions and talk of sports the last few years. John's been a big help to us, too. So, we're talking about uh, pass rushers. Let me take a look here. Yeah, Jan is... (laughs) Everybody's talking about, hey, why do you have to go looking for Yannick Ngakwe? He left Jacksonville in a bad way. Clowney's out there, too. You got a couple of free agent pass rushers. I know Floyd, Floyd, the guy um, out of Georgia that, you know, Floyd played for the Bears his first, I think, four years in the league. Now he's signed with Buffalo. You got Floyd in Buffalo, but now Clowney is still out there. Man, I'm, you know, the only thing about Clowney is, he came out of college. What was Clowney? Was Clowney number two overall in the draft? I believe he was. I believe Clowney, Clowney was way up there, a first-round draft pick a few years ago. In my opinion, and I've, I've seen Clowney in person. I've seen him on TV. I think Clowney takes plays off. That's always been my impression of Clowney. Maybe, you know, or maybe now at this point, because he doesn't have a team, maybe he's not going to take as many plays off. That is just my personal opinion of one Javon Clowney. A lot of talent, all the talent in the world played for uh, Coach Steve Spurrier at South Carolina several years ago in college. He had one massive play against Michigan that kind of propelled him up the draft boards. And uh, Clowney was a very, very high first-round draft pick. Unique Ngakwe still a free agent. Clowney a free agent. I'm not looking for any of those guys. At the moment, let's see what training camp brings. I think the price of those guys may be coming down at this juncture. Uh, Jordan Smith was wearing a brace in OTAs. Maybe he could be an answer later on down the road. But really, you know, you got Josh Allen, Trayvon Walker. They need to rush the uh, quarterback, obviously. Um, Let's see. And we were having some good talks, John Gaylor and I. Chad Mooma, by the way, wears number 48, the second-year linebacker out of Wyoming. This is episode show number 48 of the Teal Shirt Report podcast. So we're talking about um, another name came up, Kayla Von Chason. You know, Kayla Von is, you know, his uh, fifth-year option was denied. And he's playing, I believe this is, is this Chason's fourth year with the Jaguars? Man, it's time for the light switch to go on. If he doesn't get traded or he doesn't get cut, he's got a chance to play. Uh, John Gaylor told me that, you know, he heard through the grapevine that um, the Jaguar staff feel he could be the most improved player on the team this year. Now, that's going out there. I think that actually came from, John said it came from, you know, a highly regarded source in Mike DiRocco, I believe you know, who covers the NFL. I messaged back to John. I said, like like I've said a few times, I believe there's a myriad of pass rushers already on this team. Let's use them. Josh Allen, Trayvon Walker, Chason, if Chason works out this year. Does the light switch turn on with Caleb Chason this year? And who wears number 48? That was my question to John Gaylor because we're doing episode show number 48. Um, you know, and 
John's always good with the info to help us with the podcast. Chad Muma wears number 48, John said. Um, I told John you could add another guy as far as a pass rusher. Uh, but he, you know, but either way, the uh, the guys on the roster and the defensive coordinator have got to get the job done. They've got to get it done. Uh, second year, Muma and Lloyd and the linebacker slot should be better. And Trayvon also has got to take a giant leap forward. He's already stated that the game has been uh, slowing down for him. Uh, John said, could the other guy be Smoot when he returns? Uh, yeah, Chad Muma's a Wyoming Cowboy out of college, his second year with the Jaguars. He's going to affect the, the tackles, and maybe he gets a sack or two. Could be a team effort. So, um, so John and I went on messaging. Um, I told John, I said, man, I think they'll find a way. They'll find out a way to keep Smoot on this team. Um and I told John they have enough, referring to I believe they have enough pass rushers already on this team. I think the pressure should be on the deep, the DC, the defensive coordinator Mike Codwell. Um, some now on Codwell and the uh, defensive coaching staff on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, this is a very, very important training camp, no doubt. Then you got Jordan Smith, a guy wearing a brace in the OTAs. He's never really played much for the Jaguars yet. He's moving into his third year at a UAB, a, a, a former fourth-round draft pick about three years ago uh, for the Jaguars. A lot of potential as a pass rusher. He started out at the University of Florida, transferred to UAB. Jordan Smith, though, missed his entire second year with the Jaguars with an injury. He's got a brace on his knee during OTAs, or he did. Let's hope his health continues to improve and maybe he can make a positive impact. Depends on whether he's going to be on this 53 or not. Training camp is going to be incredibly competitive for the Jacksonville Jaguars in July. Going to talk a little semi-pro football. Uh, we're going to talk North Florida Entertainment. The Florida Gators lost the College Baseball World Series. There were two blowouts. Game one, the extra inning game, was the big blow for Florida. They lost to LSU 4-3 to in 11 innings. Left-handed pitcher, left-handed relief pitcher for LSU, pitched really well for, I think, three innings to kind of stymie the Gators. Then you had two games. Game two, the Florida Gators broke almost every college baseball World Series record with a 24-4 to win in game two over LSU. And what did LSU do? They came back in game three and beat the Gators. I believe it was 18 to four. We'll double check that score. But LSU wins the most important battle. They won two games out of the three to win the national championship. As a Gator fan, certainly I'm very, very sad. Buddy Martin, who was a writer, has been a writer, still a writer with uh, Gator Bait um, Magazine, which is, I think, online. And I've been kind of a, a part of his group, and he's been a Facebook friend of mine. I've, we've shared his show on in our BigJReport.com Facebook group for a long time now. I was very sad to learn about Buddy Martin's uh, uh, wife who passed away. Very sad to, to hear that report. Uh, Ryan Mallett, the... Um, 
former quarterback of the Arkansas Razorbacks, and he, you know, his NFL career. You know, I know he spent some time with the Baltimore Ravens, but his NFL career just did not take off. He had, you know, he had a cannon for an arm, tall guy. God, Ryan Mallett had to be six five, six six, had all the tools, but his NFL career never really materialized. And we're sad to learn that on, I believe, the Gulf Coast of Florida, he drowned. Sadly, he was he was only 35 years old. More of the Teal Shirt Report podcast coming up. We'll take a look at semi-pro football. Um, of course, I'm going to take a look at the National Arena League. I, you know, We didn't talk as much about the NAL as I wanted to in the last podcast. We got a lot more... Uh, stuff as I say coming up on the Teal Shirt Report podcast episode show number 48. We'll talk to SEC. We will. We absolutely will. Might have a surprise guest talking about that as well. So stay tuned to the Teal Shirt Report podcast. This, in fact, is episode show number 48. But man, when you talk about the pass rushers, you talk about at the top of the list. The top of the list has got to be Josh Allen, Trayvon Walker. Kalamon Chason, maybe his uh, short NFL career will finally catch fire and the light switch will flip on. And could he be the most improved player in training camp? That remains to be seen. You got a, a guy in Jordan Smith, a pass rusher, an edge player coming off an injury. So, man, that's, what is that, about four guys that can rush the passer? Plus, you got the inside guys, the linebackers. You know, Clowney and um, Unique and Gakwe, they may, may be, you know, waiting for a while and they're not on a team at the moment. I think Unique and Gakwe pretty much burned his bridges in Jacksonville and Javon Clowney, a lot of talent, but he strikes me as a guy that, just my opinion, I think the guy took plays off. I think he was a good college football player at South Carolina. Had a lot of acclaim, was a big hit he had against Michigan and so on and so forth. I think he's a very good player. I think he could be a much better player. But, you know, he's a better, he's an aging, what you might call an aging veteran now. And the money, it's going to depend on a team says, hey, we want you to come in, but how much money is a guy like Clowney going to want and what NFL teams can fit him under the salary cap? Same thing with Unique and Gakwe. He kind of burned his bridge in Jacksonville with the cons, particularly, I think, Tony Khan. So we'll see what happens. I think the Jaguars got a myriad of pass rushers that are already on the roster. We'll talk more about that. North Florida Entertainment. We'll talk to SEC, semi-pro football, and more. And, of course, if I didn't mention it, North Florida Entertainment coming up as well as you're listening to the Teal Shirt Report podcast. Thank you for listening. Episode, uh, episode show number 48 of the Teal Shirt Report podcast. Episode show number 48, season number four of the Teal Shirt Report podcast. 48 means Chad Muma. Chad Muma, linebacker, Wyoming Cowboy, Jacksonville Jaguars uh, draft pick um, in April of 
late April of 2022. He played his rookie season with the Jaguars and expecting even more things out of Chad Muma in his second year, along with Devin Lloyd and Trayvon Walker. That's got to be a big three of young guys, rookies last year that all got significant playing time and they'll be moving into year two. We were talking about the pass rushers. Well, I mentioned a myriad of pass rushers without having to go out and sign a one-year guy. You know, as you know, as most of you know, the Jags did lose a player uh, to the Tennessee Titans. I can't even think of the guy's name now. Played last year very, very well for the Jaguars. Man, I'm happy to try to remember the guy's name. I do forget names sometimes. Um, you know, he played very well for one year, but it's like the NFL, not for long. Now he's with the, the guys with the uh, Tennessee Titans. When we talk about the myriad of pass rushers for the Jaguars, you got to at the top of the list has got to be Josh Allen, first round draft pick, Trayvon Walker, first round draft pick. Um, of course, Josh Allen's been around here long, longer. Um, Josh, what is this, his fifth year with the Jaguars? This is kind of his make-or-break year. Um, the Jaguars did pick up his fifth-year option. I believe this is his fifth year. So this is the, the year that he turns it up a notch, gets ready for a new free agent deal next year in 2024, whether it's here in Jacksonville or perhaps somewhere else. But he needs a big year. We talk about the myriad of pass rushers for the Jaguars. You know, you got to talk about, again, Josh Allen is probably could be the number one guy. Trayvon Walker should be drafted numero uno, number one overall out of the Nash off of the national championship college football Georgia Bulldogs team. Uh, Trayvon Walker also in that, you know, that draft class in, um, you know, obviously in um, twenty. 2022 with Chad Muma, Devin Lloyd, a lot of defensive players picked up by the Jaguars in 2022, including Trayvon Walker, Chad Muma, Devin Lloyd, Lloyd and Muma, the linebackers. And Trayvon Walker has been listed at times as an outside linebacker. I think he's more of a big end. I think he'll play more up on the line this year, but man, make a big end out of him and let him get some sacks between Josh Allen between Josh Allen and Trayvon Walker, those should be your pass rushers, right? And who else you got? I mean, Trayvon Walker may be pushing the pocket up on the uh, guards and the tackles, challenging the guards and tackles on the opposing team and pushing the pocket and Trayvon getting to the quarterback or somebody getting to the quarterback, Josh Allen, Trayvon Walker, the linebackers, Olakum. Olukun, probably the leading tackler in the National Football League. Got young guys, Devin Lloyd, Chad Muma. Um, got a guy, Jordan Smith, coming off an injury, but he's wearing a brace right now. Does he have a chance to be on the 53? And, you know, this guy was drafted as an edge rusher about three years ago um, out of UAB, out of about the fourth round. That was about three years ago. So this will be his third year with the Jacksonville Jaguars. I'm just trying to add up the pass rushers that are actually on the roster. Jordan Smith, Trayvon Walker, uh, Josh Allen, and the list goes on and on. 
Um, there's some other guys too. We'll talk more about it. You're listening to the Teal Shirt Report podcast. More to come. Heck, heck, maybe I, maybe I disrespected Arden Key, not remembering his name, but he's gone to the Tennessee Titans. He was a really good player for a year with Jacksonville. I mean, he overexceeded his um, his contract. He's parlayed it into kind of a multi year deal with the Titans. So good for Arden Key. I kept thinking, well, the Jaguars will find him another one year guy, veteran that can come in and do what Arden Key did, or even more. Uh, perhaps Jaguars still with a myriad of pass rushers. I mean, the two top guys, you know, have got to be Trayvon Walker. I put Josh Allen ahead of Trayvon Walker because he's been around longer. Um, Trayvon during recent OTA said the game was slowing down for him, which is a good sign. Means he may may be able to do more. I look for Trayvon Walker's um, for his role to be more defined. I see him as a big end. Uh, taking on the guards, the tackles, pushing the pocket, and getting some sacks and helping others get sacks too. Josh Allen and Trayvon Walker, my two guys that I'd have on each end. But defensive coordinator Mike Codwell, I think, is probably playing more of a 3-4. But you know with a 3-4, you're going to see at times it looks like a 4-3 or 5-2 or or a 44. Um Defenses will give you a different look, and if you don't, if a defense doesn't give an offense a different look, then hey, you're just, you know, you're you're just defeating the purpose of being able to do multiple things when you got a guy like Trayvon Walker. I really don't want to see Trayvon Walker dropping in pass coverage, but I know it's going to happen. It probably will still happen occasionally. Hopefully, not as much as last year. You know, if Trayvon can deflect a ball, the guy behind him can intercept it. That's great. Trayvon can snatch the football out of the sky and make an interception and take it a good ways the other way. I'm happy about that, too. Neat big plays out of Trayvon Walker. Josh Allen made a nice fumble recovery as well. And it is really time for Josh Allen and Trayvon Walker, both of them, to step on the gas, have a great year. I'm assuming they'll both be here. I know Trayvon Walker will be because of the fact it's only his second year. Um, could Josh Allen be traded to another team? I think that's still probably within the realm of possibility, but this is his fifth year. This is a year where the Jags want to see what they can do. I think the Jags could win 11 games. You get a lot of injuries. It could go the other way. You win six games instead of 11. When you get a lot of injuries, hopefully the team will stay relatively healthy. Cam Robinson coming off an injury. And you do know that Cam... His uh, PED problem, you know, he's getting suspended for PEDs. We knew it would be two to six games, and now the NFL has officially ruled that Cam Robinson will miss the first four football games, which is going to give Walker a little chance to basically be the left tackle unless something changes in training camp. Injuries, the way Anton Harrison plays, does Anton Harrison play on the right side or the left side? Right now, I would say it's probably going to be Walker Little at left tackle and Anton Harrison, the rookie out of Oklahoma, playing right tackle with Cam Robinson waiting in the wings with his four-game suspension. There were a couple of guys with the Colts that were suspended for, for gambling. 
it's happened again. You know, fortunately, it was, you know, a couple of guys on the Colts. Uh, the Jaguars traded for Calvin Ridley, and he had a, you know, what was it, well over a year, uh, well over a one-year suspension or a year suspension with the Atlanta Falcons. Balky went out and made a trade, traded a couple of mid-round draft picks for Calvin Ridley, and, you know, Balky's got to hope that, you know, Ridley keeps it on the clean and narrow and keeps playing football and leaves the parlays alone or what have you. And the hope is that, and we kept hearing these stories that Calvin Ridley is now going through elite training, which means he's getting ready for the season. Now, I see all these comparisons. Is this going to be the best one-two punch at wide receiver for the Jaguars in many, many years, maybe since Keenan, Keenan and Jimmy? They got a long way to go to be as good as Keenan and Jimmy, I will tell you that. However, Calvin Ridley, and, and remember, he's not played a game with the Jaguars yet, but if he can be the deep threat, and then you got Christian Kirk who will go out and go out and go outside the numbers and, you know, get some of those uh, uh, vertical passes down the field. And he, he's capable of that. You know, we could really see some great things with, uh, with Christian Kirk and Calvin Ridley and even Zay Jones probably is the number three guy. The number four guy could be the, the Penn State wide receiver that was drafted. We'll see what happens. Training camp is going to be huge, whether it's a wide receiver room, the linebackers, the safeties. And, you know, I, I really love the draft pick in the fifth round of A.J. and Antonio Johnson out of Texas A&M, who a lot of people feel like the Jaguars really pulled off a steal to have him still sitting there in the fifth round, the safety out of Texas A&M. So a lot of things going on with the Jaguars. Man, pass rushers, I think we got them on the roster. They're on the roster now. Let's see what happens with these guys in 2023. The key to the pass rush, in my opinion, is going to be the defensive tackles and the nose tackles stopping the run, getting the opponents in second and long, third and long, and then you're going to have, obviously, more pass rushing and even perhaps you might even term it as easier pass rushing opportunities when you know the quarterback's going to primarily drop back and pass on second down and long, third down and long, where the defensive ends, edge rushers, if you will, can, you know, kind of just sit back and say, I'm coming after the quarterback. And that's kind of what it's all about. You're listening to the Teal Shirt Report podcast. Edge rushers, you know, Josh Allen, Trayvon Walker. Um, I hope Jordan Smith can get healthy because he missed all of year two, didn't play much in year one. This will be his third year, Jordan Smith, the pass rusher at a UAB, but he, you know, he's coming off a uh, season, you know, really a season ending injury last year, never played last year, never played, played very sparingly in year one, year three, he's in OTAs with a brace on his knee. And I looked at a depth chart, didn't even see Jordan Smith on the depth chart. Let's see if he can get on that 53 and continue to get healthy and get some of that speed back. And let's see what happens. So Arden Key was a guy, remember the Jaguars lost in free agency to the Tennessee Titans. You can't keep everybody. I mean, Trent Baalke says, hey, we're going to franchise tag our tight end, Evan Ingram. And I think at that point you were saying you can't keep both Evan Ingram and Arden Key. And that's when Arden Key left and joined the Titans. That's, you know, just kind of my opinion of how it probably broke down. 
Jumbo Shrimp finally got back on the winning track. They really did. The Jumbo Shrimp. Let me take a look. Latest game for the Jumbo Shrimp as we check Jacksonville Jaguars football, North Florida Entertainment, other area sports. And, you know, one of the most iconic franchises in minor league baseball has got to be the Durham Bulls. I mean, heck, there was a movie. I can't think of the name of the movie, but the Durham Bulls were in that movie. And the uh, Durham Bulls have been really a strong AAA baseball team the last few years. However, the Jacksonville Shrimp got them at home in the um, in the Thursday night April. I'm sorry, let me let me step ahead. The Thursday night June 29th game because we're recording this podcast right now on June the 30th. Donna Deegan will be installed as the new mayor in Jacksonville on July the 1st. On um, Thursday night, June 29th, the Jumbo Shrimp were involved in a 10-inning game. They ended up winning and beating the Durham Bulls. Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp 3, the Durham Bulls 2. That was on Thursday night, June 29th. The Jumbo Shrimp, as of June the 30th, here in the morning as we were recording this podcast, the Jumbo Shrimp improved to 34-42 and 42 after somewhat of a minor league baseball break for two or three days. Teams are back playing now. Uh, Norfolk beat Charlotte 10 to 8. Worcester 5. Buffalo 2. Among some of the AAA games. But we're kind of zeroing in and highlighting the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimps 3 to 2 win over Durham. Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp 3. The Durham Bulls 2. That was the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp 3. The Durham Bulls 2 in 10 innings in Jacksonville at the 121 Financial Ballpark on Thursday night, June the 29th. Finally a night with without the rain. And they got the they got the game in. The Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp are now uh 34 and 42. A team that's been really, really hot. And Alex Nunnery's been covering them. Also um, Ian Ferguson from our Facebook group. A lot going on. The you know the Armada's hot. I mean they beat the New Orleans Jesters five to nothing. At home, that was a home game on uh, Wednesday night, uh, June the 28th. Can you believe it? The Armada, five goals. They beat the New Orleans Jesters five to nothing. Uh, Ian Ferguson with a nice article in our uh, Facebook group. Alex Nunnery's been really covering the Armada as well. The Armada, they've won, you know, the last three games they won, they beat the New Orleans Jesters. On Wednesday night, June the 28th, it was the Jacksonville Armada playing in the NPSL Soccer League. And they defeated the New Orleans Jesters 5 to nothing on Wednesday night, June the 28th. They also own wins over the uh, Pensacola Florida Football Club uh, 2 to nothing, And they also beat the team from Panama City, Florida, the Florida Roots. Beat them... Uh, Let's see. I'll check some of the. We'll check some of the scores here. Um, Alex has had a chance to actually interview some of the um, the Armada soccer players. Let me go back and check some of these scores. You go to our website, bigjreport.com. We got a lot of info. This is also uh, our website's also the easiest place to find our podcast. You go to bigjreport.com. Scroll the homepage, and you'll find the link to our podcast, the Teal Shirt Report podcast. Uh, Big J Reports, Alex Nunry, 
also a producer on our podcast, Big J Reports, Alex Nunry, uh, interviewed Jacksonville Armada attacker Angus Taylor. Taylor scored uh, both goals in Jacksonville's in the Jacksonville Armada's 2-1 to victory over the Florida Roots from Panama City, Florida. The game was played at UNF at Hodges Field in Jacksonville, Florida on Saturday evening, June 17th. I think there was maybe eight or 900 people at this game or more. Uh, however, at the New Orleans Jesters game, there was about 1,500 people in the stands. They've had even more people than that at uh, very, very big matches. So the Armada picking up steam with the crowds. They've got a very loyal following. I will say that about the Armada. But the last three games, I mean, they had a 2-1 to one win over the uh, Florida Roots from Panama City, Florida. They beat the Pensacola Football Club 2 to nothing, And now the New Orleans Jesters, man, they threw some offense on the Jesters and uh, beat the Jesters 5 to nothing on Wednesday night, June the 28th. So congratulations to Jacksonville Armada with three big wins very, very uh, recently in the NPSL Soccer League. And, hey, we appreciate you guys tuning into the Teal Shirt Report podcast. Very hot weather in Jacksonville. Very hot in North Florida. High temperatures around 94. It could feel like 100 with lows at night, 73 this morning. We got down to 73. Lake City, Florida was 70. So that's some of what's going on in the area. Getting warm, heck, it's summertime. Ian Ferguson wrote a nice article as a top contributor for the BigJReport.com Facebook group. Ian went on to say there was definitely a party in Duval on Wednesday night as almost 1,500 people watched your Jacksonville Armada Football Club avenge their only defeat of the season by absolutely trouncing the New Orleans Jesters 5 to nothing at Hodges uh, Stadium. And it could have been more, according to Ian Ferguson's article. So Ian was really pumped up about the Armada. Uh, solidly, uh, Ian went on to write, solidly in control of the match from the kickoff. Two goals in the first 15 minutes set the tone for a magnificent, Magnificent team performance by the Jacksonville Armada. Um, the Armada got goals from uh, Salo da Silva. Um, that's uh, Salo da Silva, uh, Toby McCollum, and also Arden Redmore. Uh, again, the boys in blue were definitely up for this one. The Jacksonville Armada with, with every single player displaying skill and heart that is unrivaled in the Gulf Coast Conference of the MPSL. And um, and the win sets up a huge winner-take-all season finale on the road against Southern States. And this is from Ian's article. Man, Ian, man he's, he's followed the Armada, the Armada for years now. We love having him in our Facebook group. And, Ian, we appreciate the report that you gave us in the Facebook group. Some of the reports we're also putting up on the website at BigJReport.com as well. A very good report from Ian Ferguson. Again, uh, thank you for the report, Ian. And again, at this particular game, uh, almost 1,500 people watched the Jacksonville Armada defeat the New Orleans Jesters 5 to nothing uh, back on uh, Wednesday night, June 28th. The Armada, they only got one loss on the season. It was against New Orleans much earlier in the year. 
but recent wins for the Armada. They beat the Jesters five to nothing. They also owned wins over the uh, Florida Roots from Panama City, Florida, and they've beaten the Pensacola, Florida. Uh, football club as well. So we appreciate the info from Ian Ferguson. Alex Nunnery's done a tremendous job reporting on the Jacksonville Armada too. Our BigJReport.com sports reporter, Alex Nunnery, the Jacksonville Armada 5, the New Orleans Jesters 0. That's right, the Jacksonville Armada 5, the New Orleans Jesters 0 on Wednesday night, June the 28th. And of course, you know, that was all... That was obviously all going on at Hodges Stadium. Some people call it Hodges Field, Hodges Stadium. About that victory for the Armada five to nothing over the New Orleans Jesters in front of about fifteen hundred people, according to Ian Ferguson, who was at the game. Alex Nunry doing reports on the Jacksonville Armada win as well. So outstanding soccer. The Armada uh, keeps winning. Arden Redmore. Um, scored a big goal in the game as your Jacksonville Armada uh, ended up winning over the New Orleans Jesters. I'm reading one of Alex Nunnery's reports. He talks about Arden uh, Redmore uh, scores uh, during the the five to nothing victory during the Jacksonville Armada match and victory over the New Orleans Jesters five to nothing back on Wednesday, June the 28th. Cam Robinson. It's all been decided. The official PED suspension of Jaguars left tackle Cam Robinson is officially um, is is official now, I should say. The official PED suspension of Jaguars left tackle Cam Robinson is official now and announced by the NFL. Uh, Cam Robinson, we had thought he would probably get suspended for maybe two to six games. It is now exactly in the middle of that. A four-game suspension for Cam Robinson, although he will be allowed to, of course, um, you know, obviously play in training camp. Now, the suspension will take place once the regular season games start, and Cam's going to miss, I believe, about four games game checks as um, the league has clamped down and come down hard on Cam Robinson, a four-game suspension for apparently using um, illegal PEDs. As um, you know, as the NFL rules, certainly, um, you know, they certainly have these rules set up. PEDs are not good, obviously, performance enhancing drugs, basically. So the NFL has stipulated that um, Cam Robinson getting a four-game suspension. So that's some of what's going on. Jumbo Shrimp got a win. The Armada, we've seen them, you know, win their last three games over um, the Panama City, Florida Roots. The Florida Roots from Panama City, Florida. They also beat the Pensacola, Florida Football Club, and now they've taken down the New Orleans Jesters five to nothing. It's really good to see the Jumbo Shrimp get that 10-inning victory over the Durham Bulls, three to two, on uh, Thursday night, June the 29th, as well. So that's some of what's going on with the uh, Teal Shirt Report podcast. We got more coming up. We'll take a look at uh, more North Florida entertainment coming right up. You're listening to episode show number 48 of the Teal Shirt Report podcast. Hey, we'll be right back.
Now, I'm going to tell you, if you want good SEC football coverage, we'll have it at BigJReport.com. And right here on the Teal Shirt Report podcast, we got insiders like myself. I've been covering Florida Gator football for a long, long time. Been a fan of the Gators since about 1970. My name is Scott. Um, We've been a Florida Gator football insider for a long time. Alex Nunnery covers the Florida Gators with us, too. Lucas Mann. We've got a pretty good network of guys that, you know, cover Florida Gator football. Our Georgia Bulldog football insider is Mad Max. He covers the Georgia Bulldogs. In the SEC Western Division, JC, our executive producer and freelance writer, covers the SEC Western Division and also the Alabama Crimson Tide. So if you want some of the best in SEC college football coverage, keep it right here on the Teal Shirt Report podcast. Hey, thank you for listening. Hey, we always enjoy getting into those debates about college football. You know, whether it's uh, realignment of conferences, NIL deals, uh, the transfer portal, um, escalating salaries for, for coaches and now even players with the NIL deal, right? Well, to bring in, you know, a guy to get his slant on things, Hey, this guy used to be, I understand, at one time was a photographer, I believe, with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Just saying. We're going to bring him in here now, and for our purposes, we'll call him. Sometimes we have to protect people. So for our purposes, we'll call him New York Joe. Let's see what New York Joe's got on college football. Hey, go talk to New York Joe, man. I got New York Joe out here. He's a big fan of college football, the NFL, et cetera. And uh, Joe, what do you think about the Southeastern Conference, the SEC best conference in the land? Very, very overrated. I wouldn't say they're the best conference in the land, that's for sure. You got two elite teams at the top of the field with coaches with giant egos. Everybody else is a has-been or a wannabe. Now you're going to put Texas and Oklahoma into the mix, but who are they? They couldn't even beat out TCU and Baylor to win their own conference. So to think that they're going to come in there and make a difference, they're another has-been and a wannabe. People take all, uh, they, they think that this uh, SEC is some kind of super conference. You got two teams. Everybody else is just. Well, what about Bama now, Joe? What about Bama? That's one of the two. It's Bama and Georgia. You know, with the code, the ego coaches on those two guys. Oh, my God, I can't stand it. What about Jimbo doing the limbo at Texas A&M? He's a loser. He's all loser. He's been a loser. He'll continue to be a loser. He gets the best talent. He doesn't know how to coach him. He doesn't know how to recruit coaches. I don't know what he's doing over there. You know, Bobby Petrino's their offensive coordinator now, the motorcycle guy. Yeah, they make a nice combination. They can go ride motorcycles together. That's probably their best bet. Well, it's New York Joe talking about the SEC. Now, I will agree with New York Joe about one thing. I'm not a big fan of, you know, Texas and Oklahoma coming in the conference. Again, they fall into the has-beens and wannabes. They think they're somebody. It's it's overrated, much overrated. Nobody wants, nobody cares about Texas and Oklahoma. They play that one game that used to be one of the biggest games of the year. Now it's nothing to what, Red River rivalry? Who cares? Yeah. 
What, what about Colorado? How do you, what's your feelings about uh, teams moving from the Pac-12 to other conferences in uh, New York, Joe? Well, I don't mind them moving. I mean, I don't care whatever they want to do. But I will say I am interested to see what uh, what Dion does out there at Colorado. I mean, they're going to have a much, uh, you know, it's going to be a much different thing. I got some tough teams to play, but I'll be interested to see what he does. That's the that's one of the things for this year's college football season is what happens with Colorado. Yeah, and, you know, there's been a lot of run- Rumors Colorado used to be in the Big 8, which became the Big 12. Then they moved to the Pac-12. Now there's there's rumors talking about they might move uh, back to the Big 12. No, I, I'm figuring in a couple of years, if they do good, they'll probably go to the SEC. Colorado? Yeah, sure. Why not? You know, well, they want to go out and play in some cool weather in the, in the fall time. Yeah, everybody will want to go out there. So you're, you're a big fan of Coach Prime? I'm interested. Let's see how he does. Oh, New York Joe's interested. Okay. Yeah. Well, we, hey, we've been talking. Uh, we've been talking with New York Joe uh, here on the podcast today. Uh, hey, Joe, thanks for joining us, New York Joe. I'm sick of Alabama and Georgia. Well, you know, and what about the Gators now? I'm, you know, I grew up a Florida Gator fan, SEC fan. That's your problem. <laughs> okay, Joe. Thank you, sir. <laughs> I like them. Yeah. <laughs> okay, we're gonna we're gonna continue along with the Tail Shirt Report podcast. From the Till Shirt Report Podcast Network. Good to have you listening. And I'm your host, Scott. Uh, you can write to me, Scott, at bigjreport.com. That is our email address, Scott, at bigjreport.com. We appreciate you tuning in to episode show number 48 of the Teal Shirt Report Podcast. We, in the last episode, were talking about the eight-man football league they play on the 60-yard field. You've got an opportunity to see the season start and unfold as on July the 8th, July the 8th of 2023, week one of the EXFL, week one, July the 8th of 2023, the Clay County Devil Dogs will take on and host the Sanford Tomahawks. From They're from Central Florida playing in the EXFL. And, um, you know, Avion, Avion Hill is the commissioner of the EXFL. And you can get a taste of it. It's on a 60-man field. It's an outdoor game. It's kind of like indoor football played outdoors because it's eight-man eight football, eight versus eight. And it'll be the Sanford Tomahawks versus the Clay County Devil Dogs. The game will be played July the 8th of 2023 at 415 Lemon Street, Green Cove Springs, 3 o'clock p.m. kickoff. The uh, You know how much it's going to cost to get in? It's free, free entry. They want you to come check them out. The EXFL, the Sanford Tomahawks, taking on the Clay County Devil Dogs. This is the team that uh, Solo Don Dedalin runs and owns. He plays two plays, defensive back, may play a little quarterback and wide receiver. He'll be all over the field. Eight-man football on a 60-yard field. Check it out. The Clay County Devil Dogs will be hosting the Sanford Tomahawks. 
in the home opener, the season opener for the Clay County Devil Dogs. Uh, they play in Clay County, Florida, and they're home based in Green Cove Springs. The um, the football stadium and football field they're going to be playing at is located at 415 Lemon Street in Green Cove Springs, Florida. Kickoff at 3 o'clock p.m. with a free entry. Everyone's admitted. It's going to be on um, July the – actually, July the 8th. Week 1, July the 8th of 2023. So get out there and enjoy some football. If Hey, if I check my calendar right as we uh, record this podcast on June the 30th, July the 1st is going to be on Saturday. So this game will be on a Saturday, July the 8th, 415 Lemon Street, Green Cove Springs, Florida, 3 o'clock p.m. kickoff, free entry. Bring the kids, come out and watch some some good eight-man football, eight-man versus eight-men on each team in the EXFL. Clay County Devil Dogs will be hosting the Sanford Tomahawks. Should be some good football. Here on the Teal Shirt Report podcast, you know what we talk about. We talk about the Jacksonville Jaguars, North Florida Entertainment, other area sports as well, as we do delve a little bit further into the underworld of semi-pro football. The EAFL title game was played, and I tell you what, let's pull up the score. And, it, man, I tell you what, it was a tough one for the Georgia Cobras. They got beat in Brunswick. Let me pull up the score of this game. Um, I want to say hello to my, my friend J.R. Hughes, by the way, plays for the um, uh, the Savannah football team in the EAFL, plays for the Savannah Falcons. We kind of highlighted him in one of our articles in XFL Today um, on, on the Facebook side, I should say. And uh, But giving you the final score of the game in Brunswick, up in Brunswick, Georgia, semi-pro football championship game. In Brunswick, Georgia, the semi-pro football EAFL championship game went to the South Florida Browns. South Florida Browns won the game 21, the Georgia Cobras 20. I talked to my good friend Brandon Samuels, and I, I felt, you know, I was really, you know, I really felt bad because I was kind of pulling, kind of pulling for Brandon. His team's the Georgia Cobras. They had beat the Duval Panthers in the playoffs. They also beat the Bold City Avengers. And then they got to the title game, and they came up a little bit short. It was a close game. Um, Brandon Samuels told me there were turnip, both teams committed turnovers in the game. It was like a heavyweight fight. He said it was almost like Rocky versus Mr. T. <laughs> and uh, it was a good football game. And, again, of course, it, it was – uh, obviously, um, so, so very, very close. Um, you did have the, uh, South Florida Browns first year. I've been familiar with them. They were in another league before they joined the EAFL, but the, uh, final score was, um, and this game was played in Brunswick, Georgia at a nice newer stadium in Brunswick. In Brunswick, Georgia, semi-pro football EAFL championship game. It was the South Florida Browns 21 and the Georgia Cobras 20. Close game, but a one-point loss for the Cobras. Congratulations to the South Florida Browns who won the championship of the EAFL. 
South Florida Browns 21, the Georgia Cobras 20, the final score. And this game was played, um, by the way, it was played back on Saturday. That's right, it was played uh, back on Saturday. That was about a week ago. And, um, man, I tell you what, the Georgia Cobras look so strong against the Duval Panthers and beating them and also beating the Bold City Avengers. And the South Florida Browns must have had one heck of a team as well. These were two really heavyweight fighters going at it. The South Florida Browns 21, the Georgia Cobras 20, the final score uh, back on Saturday. And that would have actually been back on Saturday, June the 24th. I was trying to figure out what date that was. It was back on Saturday, June the 24th in Brunswick, Georgia's semi-pro football championship game. EAFL championship game, South Florida Browns 21, the Georgia Cobras 20, the final score. And, um, you know, again, that game was uh, played back on Saturday night, June the 24th, up in Brunswick, Georgia. We're going to take a look at some concerts coming up as we check North Florida Entertainment. Let's uh, pull up some of the shows coming up. I did get some information from Chris Parker from... North Florida local band Psychic Deli. They are back from Houston now. They were out in Houston for about a week putting on, um, you know, some, I believe, some reunion shows in Houston. Now they're headed back home. And let's see, this Saturday night, they're going to be right here in uh, North Florida. So let's pull up what we've got as far as shows coming up. Um, by the way, you can check the Mad Max mix. The Mad Max Mix Internet Radio Show Wednesday Night Music Request Show from 7 o'clock until 9 o'clock Eastern Time at 6 o'clock until 8 o'clock p.m. Central Time and can be accessed at www.madmaxmix.weebly.com. We do have links, absolutely. We do have links for the show, the Mad Max Mix, which is heard each Wednesday night. We have links for the show on our website at bigjreport.com in the Neighbors 2 section and also in the outside the box section as well. Also in some shows coming up in North Florida, also North Florida local band Psychic Deli is playing this Saturday, uh, this Saturday night, July 1st, Eclipse Bar and Grill on Monument Road in Jacksonville, Florida, uh, hosting the band 60 Grits reunion show starting at 8.30 p.m. Come out and see Psychic Deli. And 60 Grit reuniting for one for a one-time performance uh, this Saturday night, July the 1st at 8.30 p.m. at Cliffs Bar and Grill on Monument Road uh, here in Jacksonville, Florida. Some recent shows, uh, the tribute band Freebird ATL performed in Jacksonville, Florida back on June the 17th of 2023 at Underbellies. And Freebird ATL told Big J Report that Underbellies uh, had a packed house. Freebird ATL said it was awesome. A packed house, according to Freebird ATL, at Underbellies in downtown Jacksonville back on June the 17th. By the way, Freebird ATL uh, will be touring many cities across the South and across the nation as well. They're basically a Leonard Skinner tribute band, Freebird ATL. Also, a recent uh, show that we've been talking about quite a bit, and I haven't I haven't got any reviews on this show yet, but a very good one. Peter Frampton 
uh, was in St. Augustine uh, this past Wednesday night back on June the 28th of 2023 at the St. Augustine uh, Florida Amphitheater. Also, Jackson Brown show is coming up, and this will be at the Old Times Union Center. Also, years ago when I was coming up, it was known as the, uh, the Civic Auditorium here in uh, Jacksonville, Florida. Jackson Brown will be performing at the old Civic Auditorium, the old Times Union Center. That's right, Jackson Brown performing in Jacksonville, Florida, in my hometown on Friday night, July the 28th. It's coming up on Friday night, July the 28th of 2023 at 8 o'clock p.m. at the, uh, the venue that's now known as the Jacksonville Moran Center for the Performing Arts. And I know I'm looking forward I know everybody's looking forward to a great show from Jackson Brown on Friday night, July the 28th of 2023 at 8 o'clock p.m. here in Jacksonville at the Jacksonville Moran Center for the Performing Arts. Looking forward to a great show from Jackson Brown. That's going to do it this time around for the Teal Shirt Report podcast. We appreciate you listening in. Our Till Shirt Report podcast episode show number 48 has been produced, has been eloquently produced by Alex Nunnery. Oh, and I should mention our executive producer. Let's mention our executive producer, JC. The Till Shirt Report podcast has been eloquently produced by our executive uh, producer, JC. Also, our producer, Alex Nunnery. Special thanks go out to our contributor, uh, John Gaylor, also a very good supporter of our show, too. I want to thank uh, David Martin for all the semi-pro football news and information. David played in the Gulf Coast Bowl. Man, and I understand those guys that, you know, play for those teams, the Mobile Miners, and, of course, the Mississippi Raiders, I believe they were called. Uh, man, according to David Martin, man, they had a blast and a lot of fun out there during the Gulf Coast Bowl. It was not a playoff game, but it was a bowl game. And and David said, man, he had a lot of fun that day in the Gulf Coast Bowl in that game that was recently played. And uh, glad you had fun, David. I don't know if that'll be David's last football game playing. Maybe he'll get the itch to play some more semi-pro football next season in the APDFL. We cover semi-pro football, but mainly we cover the Jacksonville Jaguars, North Florida Entertainment and other area sports as well. Real quickly, though, you know, we cover the SEC, and football is around the corner. The SEC will be expanding to more teams in, you know, in the SEC. It's going to go from what? It's going to go from 14 teams to 16 teams in the following year in 2024. Not this year, but next year in 2024. This year in 2023, you still got your – your 14 SEC teams in East and the West for at least one more year. And then I think they go to just one big super conference in 2024 when Texas and Oklahoma will be coming in. UCF, Central Florida, I believe they're already now a part of the Big 12. Um, other schools that have joined the Big 12 include BYU, Brigham Young, uh, Houston, and Cincinnati, I believe. However, Texas and Oklahoma will be vacating the Big 12 in the summer of 2024. And in over a year from now, Texas and Oklahoma will become part of the SEC. And, of course, 
um, college football. That's going to do it for the Teal Shirt Report podcast. Wanted to throw that note in there about college football as we wrap things up. Again, thanks to our producers, uh, JC, our executive producer, Alex Nunry, another one of our producers. Want to thank John Gagler, our uh, contributor and supporter of the podcast, David Martin. Glad you had fun playing in that Gulf Coast Bowl just a few days ago that wrapped up kind of a semi-pro football bowl game was not among the playoff games, but it was a bowl game after the conclusion of the regular season in the APDFL. Eight-man football, EXFL, getting cranked up on July the 8th in uh, Green Cove Springs over there on uh, Lemon Street. And uh, we'll be telling you more about the eight-man, eight-man, eight versus eight in the eight-man EXFL football league, which cranks up and starts July the 8th. The Clay County the Clay County, Florida Devil Dogs, home based in Green Cove Springs. They will be playing a team from Central Florida, the Sanford Tomahawks, about 3 o'clock in the afternoon on July the 8th. That's going to do it for this episode of the Chill Shirt Report podcast. This has been episode show number 48. We do want to uh, certainly acknowledge and salute Chad Muma second-year linebacker for the Jacksonville Jaguars. He was a, uh, John Gaylor told me, yeah, he was a Wyoming Cowboy in college. He was, uh, he just came off his rookie season with the Jacksonville Jaguars, plays special teams as well, but plays a lot of linebacker, along with Devin Lloyd. And, um, of course, Ola Khan, the leading tackler in the National Football League, plays alongside those guys as well on defense. That's going to do it for episode show number 48 of the Teal Shirt Report podcast. Trayvon Walker, you know, I some people call him an outside linebacker. Some people call him a defensive end. Trayvon, we just need to see a fantastic year out of you. I look for big things from Trayvon Walker. Much improvement from year one to year two for Trayvon Walker. The big end, or some people call him an outside linebacker, uh, I think his role will be more defined in the defense uh, coming up in the 2023 season for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Training camp for the Jacksonville Jaguars just a few days away in the month of July. Thanks for listening to the Teal Shirt Report podcast. We'll be back again real soon. We're always available for you to listen 24-7 to the latest episode. We recommend you go back to some of the past episodes because we do interviews uh, during the episodes and shows as well that you can go back and check out. If you missed any, check us out, the Teal Shirt Report podcast on the Teal Shirt Report podcast network. You can always find us at bigjreport.com. Scroll the homepage. It's the easiest way to uh, click on the little uh, arrow. Click on the arrow, and you're listening to the Teal Shirt Report podcast. Thank you for listening to this episode, episode show number 48 of the Teal Shirt Report podcast. I'm your host, Scott. And hey, I'm out. Have a great day. We'll talk to you next time. I was going to just take a quick look at the Florida Gator football schedule. We may take a look at a different team schedule, you know, during different podcast episodes, but Pulling up when college football starts. If you're a Florida Gator fan or an SEC football fan, uh, you can watch the Florida Gators on August the 31st 
at 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern time. They're going to be playing at Utah. Last year, they actually beat Utah at home. This year, the Gators go on the road to play Utah. It looks like the place is called Rice Eccles Stadium, I believe. It'll be the Utah Utes and the Florida Gators. Both teams will be 0-0 at that time. Man, it's going to be an early game, August 31st at 8 o'clock p.m., and that's at Utah, and that'll be on ESPN. The Florida Gators will play at the Utah Utes on August 31st at 8 o'clock p.m. That'll be one game one for Florida. Uh, game two, the Florida Gators play McNeese State uh, on September the 9th. That's going to be a home game for the Gators, Tennessee, September the 16th. Um, University of North Carolina at Charlotte. Those are the 49ers, I believe. The Gators play the Charlotte, the University of North Carolina at Charlotte, 49ers on September the 23rd. A couple of cupcakes early in the season. Georgia's got even more than Florida does. And uh, we will take a look at the Georgia schedule. Man, they've got some uh, UT Martins and teams like that coming up too. But, hey, once both of these teams like Florida and Georgia get into the conference schedule, the meat of the conference schedule, it's going to get tough. The SEC, man, a great college football conference uh again just kind of looking at the early part of the florida gator football schedule uh, come late august and early september florida gators play at utah on august 31st at eight o'clock p.m mcneese state is a game in gainesville on september the 9th at 7 30 p.m uh florida gators will play the tennessee volunteers that will be a big sec eastern division contest a big one early in the year September the 16th, Florida will hook up with Tennessee. And it's going to be a home game, too. So Florida plays at Utah on August 31st, and the Gators will host McNeese State at home on September the 9th. Uh, Gators will play September the 16th. They'll host the Tennessee Volunteers in their first SEC conference football game in 2023. Gators will play a non-conference game at home versus the University of North Carolina Charlotte, the UNC Charlotte 49ers on September 23rd. Second conference game of the year will be on the road at Kentucky on September the 30th. October the 7th, Florida will host Vanderbilt. Let's hit the whole schedule. October 14th, uh, Florida plays at South Carolina. That will not be easy. As well as uh, Florida gets a week off, so they'll have two weeks between the South Carolina October the 14th game at South Carolina on October the 14th. Gators will play, um, the Florida Gators will play the Georgia Bulldogs October the 28th um, here in Jacksonville. November the 4th, the Gators will battle the Arkansas Razorbacks or the Hogs, if you will. And the Arkansas game on November the 4th, uh, that will be a home game in Gainesville. The South Carolina games at South Carolina on October the 14th. The Georgia-Florida game here in Jacksonville on October the 28th at 3.30 p.m. That nationally televised kickoff time. Uh, Florida will play Arkansas kickoff time, 1 o'clock p.m. But, again, the kickoff times will probably change with whatever TV decides. The people that own college football, when they decide what time the games will be played. Florida plays Arkansas at home. On November the 4th, that is a long trip to Arkansas. Florida's fortunate to have Arkansas at home. The Gators of the next week travel to play at LSU on November the 11th. 
So, again, the Gators will be playing November the 11th at LSU. So that's a look at the Florida Gator uh, football schedule, if you will. Again, Florida is playing, just reviewing real quickly, Florida will play at Utah on August 31st, Thursday night, August 31st. That's a Thursday night game, too. Thursday night, August 31st at Utah. Florida plays at Utah, 8 o'clock p.m. Um, Saturday, September the 9th, the Gators uh, will be playing, let's see, McNeese State at 7.30 p.m. Saturday, September 9th on ESPN. ESPNU. I think that game's on ESPNU, wherever that is. Uh, <laughs> September 16th, Florida plays Tennessee on the regular ESPN. 7 o'clock p.m. Florida at home hosting Tennessee. Um, then on, let's see, the Tennessee game, Florida-Tennessee game in Gainesville Saturday night, September the 16th. Then Florida will play on September the 23rd. That's going to be at, let's see, that's actually going to be the South Carolina game. Let's double check that. That's going to be no, no, no. I'm sorry. September the 23rd is going to be the Charlotte game. Okay. Man, did some of these games move? We'll run down everything again. This is the uh, 2023 Florida Gator schedule. Okay, let's go back over it again. Thursday night, Thursday night, August the 31st, Florida plays at Utah, eight o'clock p.m. kickoff. Thursday night game. Uh, Saturday, September the 9th, Florida will be playing McNeese State on Saturday night, September the 9th. Saturday, September the 16th, Florida plays versus Tennessee at 7 o'clock p.m. Saturday, September the 23rd, Florida Gators will be playing none other than Charlotte, North Carolina. That is UNC Charlotte 49ers. They play football at Charlotte, Charlotte, uh, the UNC Charlotte 49ers on September 23rd. Florida will play at Kentucky on, let's see, September the 30th. Florida will host Vanderbilt on Saturday, October the 7th. Florida plays at South Carolina on October the 14th. Florida Gators will get a week off and then play the Georgia Bulldogs in Jacksonville on Saturday afternoon, October the 28th at 3.30 p.m., Gators will host the Arkansas Razorbacks on Saturday, Saturday, November the 4th. Game time to be determined on Saturday night, or it could be any time Saturday. Saturday, November the 4th, Florida plays versus Arkansas on November the 4th. November the 11th, Florida will play at LSU in Baton Rouge on November the 11th. November the 18th, Florida will be playing at Missouri. So a couple of tough games back-to-back. You got at LSU. At LSU, Florida playing at LSU on November the 18th. And then on November the 25th, Florida winds up the season. That's in Gainesville, too. The Florida-Florida State game in Gainesville on Saturday November the 25th, so a pretty tough schedule. You know, you count up the games, and what do you got, about a 12-game season? Then whoever wins the East, whoever wins the West, goes into the SEC championship game. So if you you do count up the games, you know, Florida's playing 
playing 12 games. They open the season again at Utah on August 31st, basically a home and away. Florida Florida played uh, and hosted Utah in their first game in uh, 2022, and this year they will play Utah in their first game in 2023 at Utah on August 31st at 8 o'clock p.m. So that is a look at the Florida Gators schedule. Probably on the next podcast, we'll take a look at Georgia. Uh, We'll take a look at Alabama, you know, in the next uh, coming days as well. We do cover the SEC. I mean, we've got we've got Florida Gator. Um, certainly, um, you know, we've got our uh, Florida Gator guys like myself. I've covered Gator football for a long, long time. I've been a Florida Gator fan since about 1970-71, since I was a little boy. And when I got in the media, you know, typically and mainly in the 1980s, um, I started uh, covering Florida you know, a lot of stuff in Jacksonville, and we ended up uh, covering covering sports in about three different states, Florida, Georgia, and, you know, over in Alabama as well when we were uh, doing some radio in Alabama also. So um, that's some of what's going on. Florida Gators have a tough 12-game schedule. There's some non-conference games, McNeese State and the UNC uh, Charlotte 49ers, you know, I, I think that's going to be a big challenge. Charlotte is going to look at that as, man, this is our opportunity. McNeese State may say the same thing. Um, so Florida does, in fact, have a couple of cupcakes. Georgia might even have an extra cupcake than uh, Florida does. In the next podcast, we'll take a look at the uh, Georgia schedule. But nonetheless, Florida and Georgia, they cannot avoid the Southeastern Conference conference games. Those games are going to be extremely tough in 2023. You're listening to the Teal Shirt Report podcast. We just thought we'd kind of take a look at uh, the Florida Gators schedule on this episode, episode show number 48 of the Teal Shirt Report podcast. Thank you for listening to us. Well, you know, it was... It was actually kind of cool the New York Joe stopped by. I enjoyed it. Didn't agree with uh, a lot of what New York Joe said, but loved the way he said it. And I think what I liked mainly about what New York Joe said, it gets people thinking about the college football world. Obviously, you're not going to agree with some of what New York Joe says. You might not agree agree with most of what he says. However, what is it... Uh, Everybody's got a right to, to their opinion, and you got it from New York Joe there. So we enjoyed hearing from New York Joe a little bit earlier in this podcast episode, show number 48 of the Teal Shirt Report podcast. Chad Moomin, linebacker with the Jaguars, second-year linebacker, saluting him because he wears number 48. And this is the episode, show number 48 of the Teal Shirt Report podcast. New York Joe, New York Joe, thank you for stopping by. A little bit earlier, is New York Joe shaking up the college football world just a little bit? I did want to touch on the college baseball world series uh, for just a moment. It was really interesting. Probably one of the most unique college baseball world series of all time that just concluded in June of 2023. Because uh, as we're doing this encore, it is now July 1. Donna Deegan just got sworn in as the new mayor of Jacksonville, Lenny Curry took his uh, his final exit 
out of the mayor's chambers on uh, June 30th. Now Donna Deegan's been sworn in, and you got Donna Deegan and the folks that uh, she approves to uh, negotiate with uh, Shad Khan, Mark Lamping, Tony Khan, and the Jaguars on the new stadium deal. Donna uh, planning to hire some some experts on such stadium deals, uh, I believe, with experience in doing the similar things with the NFL. And we'll see what happens because the new stadium deal for the Jaguars is going to be negotiated over the next days. You know, sometime this summer, they're going to get into it kind of deep. And maybe a, you know, a few weeks or a few months down the road, we'll see what happens. Hopefully, the stadium deal gets done. It's going to be a stadium for about $2 billion or less or more, depending on the final approval of what the city of Jacksonville and the Jacksonville Jaguars agree upon. Going to be interesting. College Baseball World Series that just concluded in June of 2023. Game one was probably the decider, even though the, the series went all three games. LSU won the game four to three in 11 innings. It was a left-handed relief pitcher for LSU. He was really tough on the Gators in those late innings. LSU won the game with a big home run four to three in 11 innings in game one. Game two, the Gators broke all kinds of records, home run records, runs in the series, I think. And still, it's just one victory. They should have saved some of those runs for game three. Game two, Florida 24, LSU 4. Game two of the college uh, baseball World Series. And, you know, in college baseball, man, they have big rallies, don't they? A lot of offense. You can never really predict college baseball, man. Next time you turn around, they're going to have a seven, eight, nine run inning. So Florida won game two, 24 to four over LSU, but LSU won the deciding game, came back and blew the Gators out in game three, 18 to four. I was pulling for Florida. My dad was a tremendous Florida Gator baseball fan, and I was too, but LSU won the series two games to one. They won the two out of three final championship series of the College Baseball World Series out in Omaha, Nebraska. This is an encore. Trying to move along through the encore. I did have um, some NAL games we wanted to talk about. I think there's more uh, uh, indoor football going on in Columbus, Georgia. We'll try to get some info on that as well. Columbus has been the site of some games. The Southern Steam has been in Columbus. Who else has been there? I think the Pete State Cats, um, the uh, the Cyclones from Capital City. Boy, they've had some real controversial calls, some guys being thrown out of games. You know, these arena leagues are incredible. The um, American Indoor Football Alliance, the AIFA, includes teams like the, the Capital City Cyclones out of uh of course, Tallahassee, the Columbus Georgia Lions in the in the American Indoor Football Alliance, and they used to be in the NAL. They were actually in another league before the NAL, too. Columbus has been in, I think, at least three or four different uh, indoor football leagues over the many years they played the indoor slash arena game. Uh, National Arena League scores, we wanted to catch up on these. I think earlier in this podcast I had promised to do that. So we're having to kind of come back out here on an encore and do that. 
uh, San Antonio Gunslingers uh, back on Saturday. These are some of the latest National Arena League scores as we're talking on um, Saturday morning, uh, July 1st, giving you an update. Uh, and by the way, chance of rain in Jacksonville has diminished all the way down to like I think 20% over the next 24 to 48 hours. Um, rain probably holding off Saturday, 20% chance of rain this Sunday, thereabouts. Here's some of those National Arena League games. Uh, the Warbirds from West Texas, they got beat by the San Antonio Gunslingers. Yeah, the San Antonio Gunslingers were an old um, an old team. Did they play in the USFL, the original USFL, I believe? And uh, there were a lot of stories about how the San Antonio Gunslingers, um, they'd write paychecks to the players. You better cash your check quick. The first half of the checks would cash, and then the, the last half of the <laughs> The last half of the checks might bounce. Man, that was many, 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 many moons ago. And let me double check that. You know, Rick Neuheisel was uh, a part of the San Antonio Gunslingers as a player, as a quarterback. And let me, uh, of course, they're in the National Arena League. It's uh, the same name, but, you know, obviously a different team, different organization. Um, San Antonio Gunslingers, now an indoor uh, football team. Um, the San Antonio Gunslingers played in the USFL and it would have been, you know, back 1983, I believe 1984, 85. And there were uh, one of the USFL documentaries and not the current day USFL, but the, the real one, <laughs> I'm going to call it the real one back in the, uh, uh, early to mid eighties. That was it's a man, those documentaries are really cool about the USFL, especially about the paychecks. Everybody was rushing to the bank <laughs> to cast their checks first because some of the checks that go through, some would bounce. Man, we're talking about the origination of the underworld of, of uh, football, maybe not semi pro football, but. You know, that was a big-time league, USFL. I mean, they were rivaling the NFL. They were drafting and signing players that the NFL couldn't get. I mean, think about it. Jim Kelly played in the USFL before he ever played for the Buffalo Bills, and there's numerous other players like that, Reggie White. and um, I think Reggie played for the – the late Reggie White played for the Memphis Showboats, I believe. Then, of course, he went into the NFL. Who did Reggie play for? The Eagles and then the Green Bay Packers. A lot of history of the old USFL back mainly in the early to mid-1980s uh, when they played. So let's take a look real quickly at a couple of the NAL games, National Arena League games that were played. Back on Saturday, June the 24th, the San Antonio Gunslingers indoor football team with the National Arena League. The San Antonio Gunslingers 69, the West Texas Warbirds uh, 55, and um, the Jacksonville Sharks did beat the Carolina Cobras in Jacksonville at the Vice Star Veterans Memorial Arena. That's at the Vice Star Veterans Memorial Arena. Jacksonville Sharks uh, 61. Jacksonville Sharks 61. The Carolina Cobras 52. Zach Brown, a real good friend of ours who plays with the Carolina Cobras. I think he's backward number 44 now, I believe. Uh, San Antonio Gunslingers 69, the West Texas Warbirds 
uh, 55 the final score. So that is that is some of what is going on in the underworld of not only semi-pro football, we've discussed that a lot, the outdoor semi-pro football, the Gulf Coast Bowl was played a few days ago. David Martin played in the game. This could be his last year of semi-pro football, but he got a chance to play in the Gulf Coast Bowl. I believe it was the Mobile Miners and the Mississippi Raiders playing. David Martin, the main thing he took away from that bowl game, it wasn't a playoff game, but it was a semi-pro football bowl game after the APDFL season. The main thing he took away from that game was, man, it was really fun. Really fun. So that's uh, just, you know, fantastic. Um, we got a lot of guys that we cover on semi-pro football. Ellis Smith, who's a, a member of the, you know, the Cyclones, Capital City Cyclones. We've seen some guys. We've seen some guys absolutely uh, get traded, go to the National Arena League, get traded to another team. Um, you know, we, we talked about Brandon Samuels, uh, Brandon Samuels, who came up so close, just a one point loss with the Georgia Cobras a few days ago in their championship game against the South Florida Browns. So a lot of things been going on. Bobby Damerol, I think it was his uh, third title as he actually won the EIF title game uh, a few weeks ago. And, um, I'm trying to remember what that trophy was called Bobby was telling me about the trophy. Uh, been some other football games going on, of course, but uh, everybody's following the National Arena League as one of the top indoor leagues. The um, heck, the um, the indoor football league, the IFL out the West Coast is a pretty good one too. You can watch some of their games on YouTube. Um, so a lot going on. Uh, we've had a chance to talk to uh, a lot of good football players. Zach Brown, who plays with the Carolina Cobras. Uh, of course, uh, David Martin played semi-pro football for many years with the Panhandle Crusaders. That team folded. He did get a chance to join another team for the Gulf Coast Bowl. Uh, played alongside the Mobile Miners as they were playing some, some players from the Mississippi Raiders. So some pretty... Exciting stuff. There's a lot of underworld of semi-pro football we're going to get to. I mean, uh, we know a lot of the guys. We know a lot of the leagues now. Um, Jason Stifler, Fidel, plays football, too, up in uh, Tennessee, I believe. He's a, he's a good guy. I've interviewed him before. Zach Brown with the Carolina Cobras. Just kind of giving some of these guys a mention. Ella Smith with the Cyclones, Capital City Cyclones out of Tallahassee. Enrique Crumbs, man, he's played a lot of indoor and outdoor football over the years. Brandon Samuels with the Georgia Cobras, man, they just had that one-point loss in the EAFL title game. Uh, I believe that game was 21-20. South Florida Browns beat them. We talked about that a little bit earlier in the podcast. How about Dalvin Stuckey, man? He was playing for, what was the team he was playing for in the APDFL? He was playing for the Walton County, Florida. He was playing for the Walton County Florida Chiefs. Then the next thing he knew, he was being signed by the Orlando Predators in the National Arena League. And then he gets to Orlando, and they've traded him to the West Texas Warbirds. So that's some of what's going on with the underworld of semi-pro football. Again, the scoreboard real quick, San Antonio Gunslingers 69, the West Texas Warbirds 55. Jacksonville Sharks uh, won a game on – this game was actually on Monday night. 
Monday night, uh, June the, what was that? Monday night, June the 25th, the Jacksonville Sharks 61, the Carolina Cobras uh, 52. Uh, the Sharks have uh, have re-signed Devin Wilson, who could not play for a while, as most of you know. But he's back playing. He's, he told me he was going to sign in June, and he did. Uh, re-signed with the Jacksonville Sharks. So what Devin told me several weeks ago came to fruition. That's going to do it for the Teal Shirt Report podcast. We covered the Jacksonville Jaguars, North Florida Entertainment. Uh, other area sports and the underworld of semi-pro football, but basically all together, it's the Jacksonville Jaguars, North Florida Entertainment, and other area sports, which encompasses a whole lot. I really thought the College Baseball World Series this year was so interesting. You had two blowouts. It had everything. You had a game one that was decided by one run in 11 innings. Then you get a game two blowout. Florida blows out LSU 24 to 4. Then in game three, you got LSU blowing out Florida. So it was a very unique college baseball world series. We do have to take our hats off and congratulate LSU on winning the college baseball world series two games to one over Florida. Uh, Coach Sully, as they call him. When Florida had a great year, nobody wants to finish number two. Nobody wants to finish number two, but they did. Um, the Gators had a great year, did well in the SEC, as you know. LSU won the whole ball of wax when it came to the College Baseball World Series, though. That's going to that's gonna do a training camp approaching for your Jacksonville Jaguars in the next few days here in July. It is the calendar has turned over. It is now. July the 1st, as we wrap up our encore of the Teal Shirt Report podcast, episode show number 48 of season number four. Thank you for listening. Thanks to our producers, uh, our executive producer, JC. I got you in there, JC. Executive producer, JC. Alex Nunry, our other producer. Um, I do want to say a special hello to John Gaylor, our contributor to the show. Very, He gives us a lot of info. I will tell you that, John Gaylor. He's a contributor to our show and a supporter of the podcast, David uh, Wilson. David Wilson, thank you so much for all the info. Did I get your name right, David? Man, I'm so bad. Sometimes I am really bad with names. Sometimes I'm David Martin. Why am I calling him David Wilson? Trying to put him in the Beach Boys or something. David Martin. And David, if I got your name right, or I got your I got your name right now, but if I got your name wrong earlier in the podcast, I do ultimately apologize. I trying to get all the names right. David Martin, big Alabama fan, JC, and he, he plays semi-pro football, uh, mainly with the Panhandle Crusaders, but when they folded, he did join another team, Mobile, played in the Gulf Coast Bowl, and David Martin's take was, man, I had a lot of fun. Could have been his last game in semi-pro football as well. That's going to do it for the Teal Shirt Report podcast, episode show number 48, season number four. Thank you guys for listening. We finally wrapped everything up. Took us three or four days, but we wrapped everything up on July the 1st with episode show number 48. You guys have a great day. Thanks for putting up with me on the encore of the Teal Shirt Report podcast, episode show number 48. Thank you for listening to the Teal Shirt Report podcast network. Best place to find the show, go to BigJReport.com, scroll our homepage, and you'll find an easy-to-click-on link that'll allow you to listen to the show right on our website at BigJReport.com. 
Thank you for listening to the Teal Shirt Report podcast. We'll have a new episode coming up real soon in the next few minutes, next few hours, or possibly by tomorrow. So keep tuning in. Keep checking back in with us. You can listen to our our episodes and go back and listen to previous episodes, too. You can listen to the, the Teal Shirt Report podcast. is available for you to listen unless there's a major technical difficulty. The Teal Shirt Report podcast is available for you to listen to 24-7. Absolutely 24-7. Thank you for listening to the Teal Shirt Report podcast. I'm your host, Scott. And, hey, I'm out. Have a great day.